Blog Talk Radio. Take a lot of practice and 
in order to just play well, you can't just magically pick up an instrument and be a genius. And I guess yeah, I don't even know how. I don't even. Yeah, you can't do that. I don't even know Ian how his lips develop. You know, being such a trumpet. Excuse me. When I was a kid, I played quarter trumpet three, but just his practice and his five. Where did he? Where did he get? Where did he practice at? You know what I'm saying? Like incredible. Boy. Seriously, like so, I, I tried playing trumpet and I just couldn't get it. Like just like putting those lips together, like the way that like creating like that vibration with my lips. <laughs> it's just I just I just couldn't do it. Like the brass instruments were just always a challenge for me. That's why I stuck to woodwind. Wow, this is this is <laughs> Jay, I think we're losing you, Jay. It's like you're you're falling out a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, I think like that now I can hear you. It's can, just okay. a beautiful it's it's just really just being able to understand music and realize that it's bigger than, hey, look, it's Justin Bieber or Lady Gaga or somebody, that there's actually something that's involved and that it's a, <clears throat> it's a science and it's an art. And that right. there's a combination of talent and just determination and perseverance to just really just be successful. And when I say be successful in music, it's not about, oh, having a record contract and making millions of dollars, like writing songs and being famous, but just successful in, like, saying that, yes, I can actually create music, whether it's for whether it's to sell out Madison Square Garden or just playing in the living room for your parents. Exactly, exactly. You don't have to sell a billion records. And, you know, talent is talent, always from the core. I mean, this little guy... It's played with Phil Dreskall, also with Marcellus and Chris Botti. So it doesn't it doesn't matter about how much you sell, but it does matter how talented you are and how much longevity. This little kid, he's going to be around for a long, long time. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, if that's what he chooses, and and if he's not, I'm sure that the just like him and anyone who has played an instrument as a child, like the lessons that that are learned from just the study and just the creation and just I think that one big thing I got out of playing the clarinet as a child was about what is possible in life. How are things made? Because I've learned how to make music playing, making these unique, distinct sounds from an instrument that what other instruments are out there to create other great things, like computers and just like how does a car work? That it's like being able to just have something and be able to just learn and practice and just determine to do this was such a lesson for myself as a kid. Right, 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 right. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there for our kids to learn, and ex- actually, music is one of them. And we're just proud to have these talented kids. And so are you. You you, uh, you tried to clarinet, so you know you, you you did a good job too. You know what I'm you're not you're not so shabby yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much. And as we're waiting for our first guest to call in, Jay, talk about some other like maybe big things that have been happening in music this week. As this past weekend, we had the Grammy, two big things. The Grammys were on. There was a lot of big surprises on who won and who didn't win. Then there was the Justin Bieber 3D concert movie, which, which to the surprise of maybe some, like, preteen girls, was not the number one movie in America. It actually lost out by like three quarters of a million dollars to the number one film, which was Just Go With It. But it showed like, because I, I, I was at a theater and I just saw the long lines of well-behaved young girls with their parents, usually their mothers, just waiting online to go into this movie of like being like, like essentially, I mean, it was like a, concert film documentary. It was 
footage of him in concert and backstage and him as a him as a kid. I mean, he's, he's still a kid, but like being younger and just like making videos for YouTube and being discovered and just like the cult of being a fan. Wow, you said it was long lines. Wow. I mean, there were long lines. I'm not sure. I'm sure, like, some places it must have been sellouts. I'm sure a lot of it is also a social thing and a communal thing that all these girls had to see it on opening day. And, like, 3 p.m. came and they left school and they went straight to the movie theater because they had to see just, they had to see just Bieber. No, like, so many, so many young girls were Justin Bieber t-shirts. Wow. Oh. It's it's amazing, like, how, how, like, it can come, stardom can come out of nowhere and that it was there. Wow, well, they had him all over. They had Justin Bieber everywhere. He, he was on every show this week, pretty much, and he was, uh, you know, at the Grammys. And, I mean, it's just, it's there. does he have doubles? Because, like, uh, he's everywhere. Like, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, like, last week he was on Saturday Night Live as a surprise guest because that's the one thing I noticed, like, in the world of entertainment. When you have a, TV, a new TV show premiering or you have, like, a movie coming out, that's when they put you on all the talk shows and they put you everywhere. And, like, that they have, like, for example, like, when I told you about, like, when it was, like, at the Knicks game at Madison Square Garden and people booed him, that, like, they that, like, they put the celebrities in that public eye as close as they can, like, just before the big, as part of the machine that promotes your movie or your show. So, yeah, it's like, he was he was definitely everywhere the last few weeks in preparations of this movie, because I know that was concert films, especially in 3D, uh-huh. that, that, like, the, the big, really, like, the big money-making time for them is actually the theatrical release, which is different from most movies where where the big bucks really come in from, like, the secondary, the home video markets, the DVDs. I'm sure that, like, they'll sell a Justin Bieber Never Say Never DVD or Blu-ray or downloads that people will buy, but with the 3D movies, since the 3D technology is a, I mean, many TVs in America are now in HD, but you don't see many 3D TVs. That the 3D movies, like, their big successful thing is when it comes out. Like, a few years ago when they had the Miley Cyrus Jonas Brothers movie, which was, which had, which opened in number one and was, which actually was monumental because it was the first ever 3D movie to open in number one. A lot of it also had to do with positioning because they pur- Disney purposely op- released it on this weekend of the Super Bowl, knowing that that's one of the weakest movie-going weekends of the year. Right. Wow. Yep. So, so did you get a chance to go Okay. To go see what? Did you get a chance to see this Justin Bieber movie? Did you get to sneak in there and see the girl screaming and you know the, the Dick Justin no. Bieber race? No, you know what? That's not my style. Maybe if I had a daughter, maybe she would have dragged me to see it. But the thing is, one one thing about music is that there's. Today is there are so many different niches. There are so many all specific audiences for a particular movie. Like Justin Bieber is clearly not my demographic, but there are artists who are. Like, and sometimes you'll see movies that are like made. Like, I just love music. I love music documentaries. I spend a lot of time on YouTube now, just watching movies and watching. I'm just watching these artists who I had never heard of or artists that I did like. For example, you have you have the re, the announced revival of Buffalo Springfield, which was a short-lived band from the 60s before my time with 
Neil Young and Stephen Stills and that they they have a reunion. So like watching like they're all watching like these old videos of them being on tour and just like old concerts and like footage from like Woodstock and other festivals in that era is just an amazing thing that it's all in front of you. Right, 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 right. Well, what did, what did you think about the Grammys, uh, moving to the Grammys? Did you watch those? I didn't, actually, I didn't have a chance to watch the Grammys, but I certainly read the results. And the one thing which I liked about it was it wasn't one artist that's dominating it, because, because we all know the Grammys is a industry thing. It's an industry thing that not only celebrates the re- recording industry and the artists, but also it's something that is done in a way to bring awareness to music so people do continue to participate in caring about artists and buying their albums and buying their concert tickets. So I think it's great when you have art spread out. Like, I know that, like, and it's not just what's popular. Like, the fact is, for example, Best New Artist, Justin Bieber, was up there, and I think the entire world, and including the teenage girls, of course, or the preteen girls, thought that there's no way he was going to lose, and he didn't. And someone else won who I had never heard of. And Esperanza sure Spalding. Esperanza Spalding won. Best New Artist. Yes, and have, have you heard have you heard of them before the yes, Grammys? Yeah, she's a young bassist and she plays the upright bass and she sings in at the same time. She started as a teenager and I got to show his parents kids the music. She started as a kid and I, I think she's nineteen or maybe a little older. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I believe that um, she started as a kid playing jazz and she's just beautiful and she plays this upright bass. And it's incredible. She's just so talented, and she's the best new artist. And she's a jazz artist. So you have a jazz artist, and you have someone who who does have talent who's won. And it's just amazing to know that, yes, there are artists that you might have not even heard of and that they've won there, that they, that certainly that the Academy has, been on there and has been able to acknowledge them. Yes, it's incredible, and a lot of people thought that other. I mean, this, this Grammys was more musical. It was a more musical than a fad Grammy. The Grammy was given to the musical talent, more of the musical talent than the fad talent. I mean, a lot of things I didn't agree with. You know, I would I would have all seen a green to win. You know, um, as far as the, the you know. One of the Grammys, but um, the record of the year, I thought he would win that, but Lady Antebellum won that one. But, you know, you know, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how many you sell. It's kind of in the Grammys, like it's pretty much how good your music is. So I'm glad that yeah, Lady Antebellum won. <laughs> and uh, the other group I haven't heard of, Album of the Year, The Suburbs, I've never heard of them in, but uh, maybe you have. Arcade Arcade Fire, you know what? It's, I've been listening to them. A few of our guests have actually mentioned them over the last few weeks, and I finally was like realizing, you know, I should take a listen to them. And I actually put on the arcade. I went on Pandora, which I do a lot of times when I'm driving in my car. Put in Arcade Fire, and it's like they're not bad. It's like in some ways, it's it's weird. It's like. It's like they're like a just like indie rock folk rock version of the early 90s group Arrested Development. Like, oh, okay. In terms of, okay. like, like it's a, I mean, it's, like, not so much, and I don't compare so much in the musical style of them, but in terms of just, like, the way, like, really just, like, the way they were built and that they were, like, multi-generational and there are older people and there are younger people and there are, there are men and there are women and that... That they were clearly, that they clearly are like, I'll be honest, I, even though I've listened to them a bit, I still don't know them that well, but there's definitely a band that that clearly, like, I can, 
I remember like a few years ago, like maybe like a year or two ago, I remember I saw that they were playing Madison Square Garden. I was like thinking, wow, they're headlining. And there was a band, and the opening act was a band called Spoon, which I which I listened to on the radio a few times, and I was like, wait, Spoon's opening for Arcade Fire. It's not the other way around. But once I had a chance to actually listen to Arcade Fire, I completely understood why and where the appeal is. Whether there's whether there's longevity for them, that remains. But but you know what? Life is now, and it's not even... And it's like, in some ways, it's bigger than the record industry on where are you and where are they. I'm checking our switchboard. And yes, we're still... Yes, our first guest. I don't know, CJ, if you're listening, you can give us a call. If not, I know we do have some other amazing guests who are on the way. Yeah, so, yeah, so I I kind of enjoyed the uh, the Grammys. You know, they had the uh, they had the, uh, a couple of people come up on the stage, which uh, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed Theo Green and his bird outfit. You would have loved it. He had like this. They had the Muppets singing, and it had Theo Green on the piano with this. Like rooster suit or something, you know. I don't know if you saw. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Really? I haven't even watched any videos of anything. Like I heard, I keep on hearing about Lady Gaga coming this egg, and I'm like, huh? Oh yeah, she she came out. <laughs> she came out in the egg. I didn't think she could even fit in there, but it was remarkable. They kind of carried the egg, you know, through the backstage and. I mean, she, and she did great. She did. I tell you one thing. She didn't lay an egg when she got out there. She did actually. She did really good. I enjoyed. Wow. It. Wow, well, that's that's amazing. Like I heard that like she won some Grammys, but not the big ones. Not the record of the year. Not the artist of the year. Not the song of the year. Yeah, she didn't win but the. Uh, yeah, she didn't win the big ones. She didn't win the big ones, but she did a great performance, and. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed them. And they were uh, Mick Jagger. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Mick Jagger though. I mean, the guy being that old, he came out and rocked the stage in at the end. And uh, one of my friends who um, who used to play in a group uh, called Twenty Twenty Tony, Rocky Alpha Deep, shared the stage with him. And um, uh, Mick Jagger, just man, I really enjoyed him at the end. So. Oh, for both of you out there that have seen Big Jagger, you guys know he rocked. He held up his presence, his stage presence. Um, he still got it, man. He still got it. So. That, that's what I hear, and I hear it's one of the very rare appearances he's made in his career without the Rolling Stones, which shows you, mm-hmm. which shows you how loyal he, how loyal he's been to his band. I mean, Mick Jagger alone is a big. And he's always been a big star without the Rolling Stones. But it also shows, in some ways, that how loyal he is to making sure that it's not just Mick Jagger that's center stage on the most part, but the Rolling Stones. All of them. I like that about him. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point you brought out. I like that about Mick Jagger. I never, I never saw him do like the Michael Jackson and the Aegis group. He kind of. Like like like, 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 there've never been like the Mick Jagger solo albums, or like how Robert Plant like always records all these different albums, even though there was the huge clamoring for a Led Zeppelin reunion after those shows they did in London with with John Bottom, J- John Bottom's son Jason Bottom on drums. Right. But, yeah. Right. Well, it's more like Phil Collins did with Genesis, how he left Genesis and did the Phil Collins thing. Um, that's yeah. something to be said about. That's something to be said about Mick Jagger, though. That is, I never thought of that. Like that, he's a loyal, loyal yeah. star. Or, or you had Sting with and without the police. <laughs> that that alone sounds funny still, even though Sting did that. Sting without the police really sounds strange to me, but. Uh, <laughs> like, although I can say it was, although I can say um, I kind of regret not seeing them, but not at the same time when the police had their reunion a few years ago. 
Right, right. Did you go to that concert, Ian? No, I didn't. It's like one of those things where there's like so many bands I liked. It's one of those. Sometimes it's like there. It's like I remember like a few weeks ago when we had. Who was it? It was. It was Adrian Miller, and we were talking about concerts, and we were talking about how there are certain shows where it's nice to go, and but depending on the concert tickets, but then there are certain concerts where it's like you have to go, where it's certainly something where you just definitely want to go without a doubt, where it's like, for example, like whenever Fish is coming when Fish is on tour, I think I always make an effort to at least see them once a year, if not more, compared to, like, let's say there was something special. Like, for example, for example, like I was mentioning Buffalo Springfield. Like, if the tickets are affordable, I'll consider going to it. But it's like if the tickets are, like, $250 for the cheapest seat in the house, I'll pass. Right. Yes. All right, Jay, looks like we've got our first guest ready here. Please, this is your friend, Jim, so let's let's bring him on. Hello, Jim, is that you? Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it, it's me. Excellent. Nice speaking to you, uh, Jay. It's nice to hear your voice a little clearer because I know when I spoke to you, when, when we were having a conversation earlier, it's like I could just kind of hear like a phone on speakerphone. It kind of sounded like the radios like from space. It was like maybe you were on the moon and I was down here in Houston. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It will get that way when you're in a recording studio. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, so Jim, tell us a little bit about your musical background. Not so much about what you do, but about just like the music that you listened to growing up, leading to today. Uh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, go to the conservatory, you know, at a young age, you know, twelve years old, studied, you know, primarily composition and arranging, and then uh, went to the entire Seattle school district. Thing, youth symphony orchestra, you know, and uh, you buy your first instrument. Your mom says, "Well, how are you going to help pay for this?" She says, "So you, so you get a job, you know, uh, playing casuals and and all kinds of music." And at that time, the recording systems were eight track, you know, a recording. So you start playing the bands, you know, at night just to pay for your instruments. And then you go to school, and but the study part was always the big paramount thing, you know. So then, uh, you know, after that, and then uh, studying with uh, a classical composer from Russia for many years. And then I did uh, a, a couple commission works for the Seattle Symphony Orchestra, and then uh, for quite a while I was composer residence for the state of Washington, you know, and the Seattle School District. You know, and uh, so a lot of people know me as being, you know, Kenny G's teacher. You know, the one who uh, you know, discovered him and uh, taught him, nurtured and mentored him, really. You know, so but he was, you know, one of a few. So I do a lot of mentoring of, uh, you know, of students, you know, in composition, engineering, you know, all that. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with all most of the cutting edge artists, Beyonce, you know, uh, in Vogue, you, you know, uh, numerous amounts of artists, you know, they had nothing to do with classical music, which was funny, you know, but that's what my real background is, is orchestration and, uh, and composition. You know. Wow, so, so what is it that brought you from the orchestration to the popular music? Like, when you were a kid, like, did you listen to much besides besides what you were learning, music-wise? Uh, uh, well, you had to play in the bands. So James Brown, all the Motown acts, all the stuff that was popular music. You know, so if you're the horn player in the band and you're reading the charts, you know, you are part of the, 
history that helped make that music, you know, wow. because all the, yeah, because the way the music is written and defined is through your ability to, to interpret and play, you know, and also write out the charts, you know, uh, for, you know, Smokey Robinson, Mark Reeves and Vandellas, the Supremes, Stevie Wonder, uh, toured in, uh, Sammy Davis's big band when he toured, you know, Bob Hope, you know, uh, Yes, you know, so I was fortunate to be at, at a very young age when all the music was, was changing, rock bands, you know, Pink Floyd, all those groups were, were, were coming up, you know, and even in today into the sampling of of what happened, you know, in the early 70s, you know, you know, uh, into into to the day's music. So it's all part of that, the composing, arranging, you know, of the, of music, you know, taking all the elements and the physics of sound, you know, and bringing that into a recording council on different faders. And it's just like orchestration. It's, it's all in layers. So the fact that you're able to study, like if you could write for 80 musicians, it, you know, it's the same template for voicing, for backgrounds on a Michael Jackson hit, you know, or involves harmonies and it's the interaction, you know, of 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 all of it that creates the chemistry that hopefully, you know, will make a hit record. You see me? You know, it's all the all the layers. You know, to hear them and, and and actually, you know, get excited, you know, and leaving enough room to let God walk through, and so you don't over overdo your, your stay. You know, you understand what I mean, you know. So Jim, did you as a as a as coming up, did your parents play music also or did you just have the talent or did you have like did they push you? Could you talk about like when you were coming up, they were behind you or they were against you or how did that how did that happen? Well, we come from a family of nine kids and uh in the central district of Seattle, you know, uh up there. And uh so there wasn't a lot of room financially to support Music. It was only because of my cousin that said, "Oh, you should get into music," you know, and you know, in the sixth grade or something, you know. And they happened to have a, you know, uh, an instrument program where if you got there soon enough, you'd be able to get an instrument, and the teacher was going to teach a beginning band. So they happened to have an old trombone because I, I wanted to play trumpet or alto, be cool, right? You know, I knew what any of those instruments were. So they had a trombone. So I just started studying doing that and. Uh, and my mom was the most supportive because my dad was working two jobs, you know. So, and no one else in, in the family did music. My, my father knew all of the big band stuff, uh, Lionel Hampton, all, uh, all of the music. He would sing it and he had 78s and, you know, so, so you get some of that through osmosis. Even if they're playing instrument, if they're whistling, you know, something or humming something while they work, or something, when you're a kid, it kind of rubs off on you, you know, so it was more of that, but my, my mom, she worked her jobs, you know, and my dad worked two jobs, and stuff like that, you know, so I was fortunate enough, and then uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to have a sponsor, you know, Lou Fairbanks, and uh, the Fairbanks family in uh, Harris, you know, in Alaska, you know, that sponsored me all through junior high school and, and also sponsored for going to the conservatory for uh, all of those years, you know, and uh, got Look Magazine to do an article on, uh, you know, 50 kids around the, the country that would make the, the the biggest impact on the 21st century in, in some subject they were going to do. So they chose me, you know, to have to be that person, you know, <laughs> you know, you know so, so part of it, you know, uh, of that prophecy was that, uh, you know, Kenny G came along through my work and efforts, right? So he felt part of the thing of making a change, you know, uh, musically with all the, you know, smooth jazz, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the dams have been to impact Hermie Hancock was definitely influenced me because he was one to help me get 
the job and stayed for the composer in residence for the state of Washington. You know, and God bless her because he probably doesn't even know that. But he helped create, because what he did for me helped create Kenny G. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, true wow. You know, so everyone that, everything that touches everything is a synergy, you know, uh, that happens. You know, it becomes a serpentipitous type of situation. The little tiny things lead to one thing, leads to other. Person you walk onto the street and says hello and drops a sheet of a music paper or an envelope and you give it back to them, you know that might just trigger a whole group of other things, you know, and you might become a stockbroker or something. Who knows? But it's all it's all connected. It's all connected. You know? Well, we we hear you doing good things up in the Bay Area for kids. Could you uh, talk about some of the students and some of the things that you're doing and some of your vision to help? some of the kids with music and to keep music going. Could you give us a little bit of insight of what you're doing? Yeah, well, well, you know, since most of my life has been to education, you know, uh, studying myself, but also doing so much in the Seattle School District, you know, and all the big bands and orchestras and, you know, and all that, you know. And in California, for some reason, you know, the, the school systems have suffered and, you know, there's warehouses of, of old band instruments, you know, that we used to have programs. And all the, most of that's not in existence. So parents call me now to either bring, they bring their child by and they'll see if I will mentor them or, or, or give them private lessons. You know, so, so I have 17-year-old kids that I have actually writing, you know, almost like Stravinsky now, you know, and stuff like wow. that. And, uh, and, and some of these families... You know, will live an hour away, and the kid will, you know, uh, actually be here. I've, I've actually have, you know, uh, you know, students that actually lived here, you know, and actually just like the karate kid, left hand, right hand, and you know, and all that. So they're, you know, learning, you know, from everybody that comes in the studio. And this is a pretty. This studio here has been uh, the studio I have has been on a cover of Mix magazine was voted one of the 12 great studios in the world two years in a row in Mixed Magazine's uh, thing on recording studios, you know, and so, so I, you know, got into designing studios and, you know, but, but basically trying to bridge that, that gap between, well, we're learning engineering, you know, and not know, and people don't know anything about composition or how a song is arranged or, or chord progressions or, and all those sounds and frequencies w will dictate what the, we're going to call the better word a mix is going to be, but it's just natural acoustic. So, you know, so I teach the kids about flutes, clarinets, violin, bowings, and trumpets, you know, and actually give them private lessons on these instruments. And then in the, in the studio, they actually get to record these instruments and, and hear them. Then you get into things like the space in which it's going to be in, cathedral, uh, you know, some tunnel in, in in England that's now, you know, so that we can make, you know, digitize, you know, and use it on a, a log drop from ancient Aztecan times or something, you know. So, so, so we need to know the history about these things so we know what they used to do and also where we can place them now, you know. So that's what I do. I bridge the gap you know, between then and now and what's history, you know, and how to apply that, you know, and, and in real life have real players come in and, you know, this is almost like Juilliard conservatory level because the compositional part is it's, it's quite intricate, but think about it. It's, it's all physics and sound and, and meshing them together is like making a beautiful salad or something, you know. Oh uh, yeah, I, I I see. That 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 that's wonderful what you're doing up there with the kids and stuff. And by seeing that, you know, I'm I'm wondering, do you actually do you bring them in this in, in your studio also and teach them um, about future applications, uh, future things that programs and stuff? Are you do, do they share that also? Well, yeah. What's interesting is that I do one on one with each student. You know, I have since I know of all the programs. You know, some, you know that's a difference. You see, you know, if, if everyone starts in a book, but so and so, 
his interest is not guitar player's interest may not be in you know sequencing or uh, learning about reading in a book. So you know I can go and I teach them hands on and bring in the tools wow. that they need, and then they want to learn, and then you have to get back and start reading anyway. But then they they're just begging because they want to get the knowledge because now they see how it's going to fit in their you know in their uh, life. So I create a curriculum solely off of what is fed to me from the students, you know. So if their interest seems to be more in composition, you know, their piano player or something, then they're going to get into that. Then I'm going to, you know, get them into, you know, the latest way of recording in, like, even like two-inch tape, you know, uh, analog. Mm -hmm. And then how does that apply to recording into the computer? Whereas back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, we used to call it sequencing, and we had all the keyboards, and we would turn the sequencer on and do all our parts, and then we would lock that up to two-inch tape and transfer it over to analog. So, because there's no way of recording into the computer, you see. So the oh, sequencing okay. part, yeah, you see what I mean. So the sequencing part, you know, was was in its own place. But it was going to be transferred to two-inch tape. And two-inch tape has its own color. So now you have to learn about aligning the tape, levels, and and then all of a sudden you have to have a recording council to play all the different parts. You know, you have, have to have faders and, and reverbs. But these are all things that were outboard things. You had to buy each box, you know. So now you apply that to the new DOS systems, digital audio work digital audio workstation for better word, you know, and it's all in one box, you see. So it makes it very difficult for people, you know, if they understand how it all transitions. So when we're sequencing inside the sequencer, sometimes this may not be a bad idea to sync, to sync it up to two-inch tape and transfer it back over to two-inch tape or half-inch tape, 16 tracks, and record it on there and lock them up, you know, and have them both running. You see what I mean? Rather than have the sound come out of the computer. You know, so you put, so depending on how you do it, it's like the notation programs I've helped develop with a company called Notions. You know, uh, for example, we can enter in uh, articulations, you know, staccatos, pizzicatos, you know, right in adagios and crescendos and retardundos and all these things. And the program actually does that real time without having to search for thousands of sounds, you know, and, you know, and all that, because companies are going, ah, oh, we got 5,000 gigabytes of uh, samples, you see, that's not useful, you know, the planet Earth has got all all kind of ingredients, but we just want to make an egg omelet, we can't use all those at the same time, you see, so that's what we do, is, is show you what you need for what you're going to do, you see, because there's too many pieces now. You gotta have well, that Jim, history of it. Jim, just amazing stuff that can be done right now here, and it's beautiful. It's like we're running out of time as we have our next okay. guest ready. Um, so, Jim, thank you so much for calling us. And if you want to give us about five seconds about what you see for the future of music. <laughs> the future of music is gonna go back into analog again. You know, we're going to use both of them because you can't get away from the color in the palette of colors, you see. It's all about the colors and the shape, you know, and we got to follow the sun, you know, okay? All right, Jim, okay. thank you very much for <laughs> joining you. us. Okay, I'll see you guys. Bye-bye. God bless thank you. Bye-bye. And then thank you very much, Jim, for joining us, and now we've got our next guest. Are you Are you there? Ian, it's Randy. Randy. <clears throat> How are you, How friend? are you? <laughs> Excellent. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's and many it's times, many continents. Many time zones. Absolutely. Randy, Randy <laughs> I'm, I'd like to introduce you to Jay Logan, my co-host on the show. Hello, Jay. Hey, Randy. Jay, How are you doing? You. Wonderful to meet you. Good. Pleasure to meet you. This is wonderful. Uh, I, I, I've, told, I've told Jay about you. He's actually a... Um, He's actually an Oakland Raiders fan, so we don't want to um, confuse him with the other guy who shares your name. Ah, indeed. 
<laughs> Indeed. Are you sure? Are you sure? You, are you sure, Ian? This is not that other guy because me and him doesn't get along. You know. <laughs> I, I, of course, that, 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 that's why we kept it quiet. No. <laughs> Oh, so this yes. is a different one. But but your name is the same as the other guy. That last name, right? That's Randy. You know the name. Now you know it. <laughs> now, now you know. Yep, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, Randy. As I was sharing with you off the air, that this is a show about really the relationship of between parents and kids when it comes to music, and I know that that you're a father now, so. Love to hear about like like what you've gotten from growing up. That when it comes to listening to music and sharing the music that your parents shared with you, and how how that's come into your life today as a father. Well, it's really interesting. You know, my experience with music was it was interesting because my grandmother was musical. Neither of my parents are, but they encouraged it within me. You know, as a father. Um, <clears throat> I got to actually have a chance to talk with my dad about why they pushed me into music, and I found out that I actually, growing up, had very bad dyslexia. But they found that putting me in music classes and getting me into instruments was a way to help me combat dyslexia. And so they used it as a as a teaching tool, you know, not just listening to music, but actually engaging in it and playing it and experiencing it through and through. So from a young age, I mean, I really value music as <clears throat> as something intrinsic to building uh, a little bit of a personal identity. So, you know, from playing music, it was just a wonderful, wonderful different experience. And it's something I kept up all the way through. Even, you know, Ian, you and I lived overseas together. And even at that point, I still was yeah. playing uh, in orchestras overseas when you and I were over in, in the Mideast. So uh, I still play today. You know, I was actually just recently in an orchestra just a couple of years ago. So I think from an artistic perspective, it's wonderful that it's a teaching tool, but also helps give kids something that they they can call their own. It helps them define who they are. And, you know, I've got a a two-and-a-half-year-old, and my wife and I have both talked a lot. And, you know, I give her maracas, and I give her a recorder for her birthday, and, you know, we're going to get her a little kid guitar when she turns four because it's something I want her to be able to experience and learn on. So just even listening to music, the kind it's funny because I can tell <clears throat> who she's spending more time with because my my wife tends to listen to top forty, and I tend to listen to very alternative types of music. And when you know my little girl gets in my car and she goes, "Daddy, <clears throat> I want to listen to the Aquabats." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." <laughs> you know, um, and and. What I really love is that we watch Yo Gabba Gabba, and the kinds of artists that they bring on and expose kids to is outstanding. I mean, it's so off the beaten path that it gives kids an appreciation for all the different kinds of genres and venues that are out there. I think it's so absolutely wonderful. And it's funny because I remember as a kid going through, sitting in front of my dad's turntable and pulling out this crazy-looking album with this yellow smiley face on it, and it was uh, it was a Herbie Hancock. <laughs> I think it was Headhunter. It was Herbie Hancock's Headhunter. And listening to Headhunter, having no idea what this was. I mean, like, God, this is cool. And partly because it was my dad's, and I find that my kid really loves the things that I love, and I'm afraid it's because I love them and not because she does. But maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It's an adventure. There's, like, a level of exposure, Randy, and I know one, one thing, like, we see a lot with the guests that we have on this show is either people completely take on the music of their parents. Some people are like are musicians and some of them love it. And then there's other people who are like 100% go the exact opposite way as adults. As in, I don't have to sit in my parents' car anymore listening to what they're listening to. So it's, it's, so it's so it's always just that interesting theme about about that connection and really like the relationships you have with your with your family as you get older based on really like the themes that were planted or not musically as a child. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, there there are certain moments in your life where music plays such a a valuable 
part in shaping an individual specific memory. I know this sounds terrible and cheesy, but I, I, I distinctly remember driving way too fast in the passenger seat of my dad's beige Volvo, listening to the Top Gun soundtrack on cassette with the windows down and the little sunroof wow. open. Right, and you know, I would have no other connection to Top Gun because it was completely over my head. And watching it as a twenty-year-old, you know, later in college, drunk one night, was like, "Hey, this is a pretty cool movie." Oh wow, I remember it at like ten. Oh God, I didn't get any of this stuff. What does "take me to bed" or "leave me forever" "lose me forever" mean? What does that mean? <clears throat> but it was, it was, you know, from 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 a a soundtrack of your life perspective, it is interesting. You know, I don't particularly care for Kenny Loggins, but I guess I liked it when I was with my dad. You know? Will, will my kid like um, pop and punk or rap? I have no idea. Will she resent it later on? Maybe. Uh, you know? Will she completely or reject not. it? Yeah. Or, or, you know, I don't know. Maybe for some reason she'll enjoy listening to Fish or the Dead when she's 13 and 14 like all other kids do. I don't know. I don't know, you know. Is my you know I always often wonder is my experience with classic rock the same as my kids' experience going to be with today's modern? I don't know. Interesting only question. Only time tells, Randy. Hmm. Only, only time, only time will yeah. tell, and only, all that we have right now is where you are right now, and. And it's like what? And it's like what relationship does um like does your does your daughter's grandparents have in terms of the music and just like recepting like where the growth and the development and just appreciation as it is. Well, I think from a growth and development standpoint, it's it, it, it a good question. I think from a growth and development standpoint, I think they're absent. I think I think distance is probably the largest driver of the absenteeism. But you know they are not engaged musically speaking um, at all in any way. And it's funny because my my mother's a 1950s rock and roll producer, and and she I don't know we don't have Chuck Berry CDs or DVDs to watch or listen to, and Peggy March or Little Anthony and the Imperials. You know we don't we don't have that kind of stuff. So I mean tragically they're not. They're not involved. You know, she's getting her music from our curation of her musical experience, which, you know, delightfully has been wide and varied to a point where, you know, her favorite her favorite songs. Funny enough, uh, we turn on our wedding slideshow album, and she dances to that. I don't know why. She loves, you know. And there's some Waylon Jennings in there. Let me tell you something. Crazy. I want to know, um, Randy, what instrument do you play? Um, oh, I actually play I, bassoon. Oh, wonderful! Wow, that's that's a that's a, that's a very hard instrument. Fingering, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of fingering. Yeah, it's, if you lose your fingers on that instrument, you pretty much are out of it. You do a lot of work. So that's a beautiful instrument. Do you um? There's a lot to it. And uh, the upkeep of it is a lot to it. How many do you own? Do you own more than one? Actually, I have a guitar too. I had a banjo at one point, but uh, I play guitar and bassoon, so I have one of each. Wow! And do do you ever take the, that instrument and share it in the neighborhood schools in the community with kids that don't know what a bassoon is? Well, you know, actually, it's funny. I, with my daughter, particularly, I'll pull it out and play a little bit, and she'll dance around the room and enjoy it. And, um, you know, I'll play guitar, and she'll run up and strum the strings and want to play it and, and engage the instrument itself, which is fun. Right. Have you have you shared it with any of her schoolmates at her schools? Uh, because see, no, a lot no, of these no. Kids, yeah, they don't even know what that is. And somebody like you could make a very impact in the community because. Um, you know, since you're losing a lot of the real musicians in the school, that instrument there is something a kid would just say, whoa, never seen that one before. You know, we've seen the guitars, we've seen the drums, we've seen the keyboards, but that 
right there, you can inspire some young uh, person that even want to play that instrument because I really enjoy that instrument. And, so and I'm sure that. And I'm sure that there will be opportunities at some point when the school will have me come in and, and do something. I haven't had that opportunity yet, but <coughs> it will be fun to, to to introduce that, to introduce something a little bit more uh, obscure, a little bit more different, something they've never seen before. That will be fun. Right. right. That, that, that's what Your daughter knows what it is. I wonder, I wonder if she goes to the school and says, my dad plays with the She's only four, so maybe maybe we wouldn't know. But she's got a wide uh, array of uh, a talent because her father is talented. So, so how long have you been playing that instrument? Probably since third, fourth grade, fifth grade, clarinet, and, what, and then moved made you, on. What made you pick that up rather than a football? I mean, excuse me. So what made you pick that instrument? <laughs> <laughs> um, You're not gonna throw that in there. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was it, it was it was direct it was direct influence. I mean, it was direct guided influence that this is you know these are lessons these are what you're going to do. Here we go, um, and it was literally was a result of an early learning development person probably saying to my parents, "This will help with the dyslexia, so address this." Wow address this, hopefully he'll enjoy it. And, you know, I was lucky. Either I really do enjoy it or I was taught to enjoy it. <laughs> well, at what point did you get dizzy, you know, all the blowing of the air, the, the dizziness level? Do you still get dizzy to this day? I mean, when I play flute, and when I first started playing, you know, I was, <laughs> yeah, it's like being, um, like I drank a fifth of vodka or something. Um, I was dizzy. So I was wondering, when did the dizziness go away? You know, like second grade, third grade? Probably about third grade. Probably after about after after about uh, you know six, probably six, eight, ten, ten weeks after doing it for a while. Wow. And really, you know, start with a recorder, and then you move to a clarinet, and then a bass clarinet, and then you move on. But you know, it was you know, as a kid, you learn you're you're learning how to control your body, and it's not just fingers; it's your core muscles too. So it took a little while. I do remember it taking a while. Now that you remind me of it. So, and then the tone came when? The tone came when you got control of the tonality of the instrument. When is that? Honest, honestly, not until not until high school, not until late high school, wow. like multiple multiple years into it. And it's you know it's it's the evolution of of the person, and it's so much so interesting. You know, you listen to people talk about things like tone and musicality, and you're blown away by. Um, the differences and the nuances that you don't appreciate until you're 18, 19, 20, 21 as a normal mm-hmm. person that you just don't get. I mean, you don't understand it. You don't understand what it means to, you know, you push your fingers down and you blow and there you go. It's, you don't learn all these nuances until you're really in your teenage years. And even then you're okay. still learning. It's 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 it's, an, it's amazing when you actually... And that's the difference between someone who's a musician and someone who plays an instrument. Okay, there you go. There you go. Excellent. All right, I, I got to apologize, but we are running out of time. So. Ian, it was wonderful sure. to be on. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us. Any final thought about about the future of the relationship of parents and children when it comes to music? I hope that I hope that instruments become more personal. I hope that as an instrument player that parents with school funding being cut for music programs, that parents would um take a little bit more initiative to go out and get your kid a recorder or go out and get them a clarinet or go out and get them something so that they can start to learn and have a relationship with music aside from just listening to make it a participate participatory sport instead of just a a watching or a listening. So I hope the future involves a lot of uh little third graders with recorders out there learning to play and love music. Excellent, Randy. Thank you very much for joining oh, us today. My pleasure. Completely. Thank you, you guys have a great All right, day. I'll... All right, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for joining us. So, Jay, quickly, in two seconds, what is your treasure? Stop that. Ah, uh, much. My net today is the fact that we have beautiful guests today to get us some education out there. So that's my net today. <laughs> all, all right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Parents, Kids, 
music. Have a great day, everyone.